Did you know that there is a day where the world celebrates chocolate? It's a World Chocolate Day. And if that's not enough, there's even a national day of chocolate. Did you know we have a World Day of Chocolate and a National Day of Chocolate? And guess what? Today is neither of those things. (laughs) The World's Day of Chocolate is actually July 7th, which is probably the reason that the United States said, yeah, we probably should pick another one. And so the United States National Day of Chocolate is in October. So no, this is not a day of chocolate, but I think that today is a day when women should eat it. If you are a mom and you are happy about it, then you need to eat as much chocolate as you want today because those calories do not count. If you wanted to be a mom and you're not, if you tried to be a mom and it didn't happen, or if your journey to motherhood has been difficult, then you should eat all of the chocolate that you want today because those calories do not count. If you are celebrating a mom or a woman who was a mother figure to you, or if you are grieving a woman who was a mother figure to you, then today you need to eat all of the chocolate that you want because the calories do not count. And so I hereby declare with absolutely no authority whatsoever that today is national, the calories do not count day. I was looking through scripture, hoping to find something about chocolate, and there's not. There shouldn't be. Because chocolate that we know of today, it would not have been around. And so it would never have been on the table, so it shouldn't be in scripture. And there are some scriptures that have been interpreted to use the word chocolate, but in the truest sense, chocolate is not in scripture. But... There is a scripture that kind of comes close. It comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, and it says this. Like newborn infants, you should long for the spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. It is this scripture that became a custom. Because of this scripture right here in the second century, something magnificent happened in churches. In the second century, people were being baptized. But it wasn't just infants who were being sprinkled like we do here in the United Methodist Church. People who were being baptized in the second century, they were adults. They were in their 30s. They were in their 20s. They were teenagers. They were children. All of these families together were being baptized. And because of that scripture that I read to you, as soon as these new recruits of the faith were baptized, fresh out of the water, the church leaders would come to them and give them milk and honey. The idea was right there after your baptism, you needed to remember that God is sweet. 
and that God is a treat to be savored, that God is good, and God is full of this kindness and joy. And so they wanted to give those who were baptized in the faith a sweet treat to remember it. And so while these new recruits are savoring this treat, the church would tell them the rest of the verse. They would be given the rest of the instruction of how to be the baptized people of God. And so the early church leaders would read to them the rest of the scripture in 1 Peter. And it says this, Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture. See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. We're living in a world where Jesus is no longer there. Jesus has died, the tomb is empty, and so you cannot follow Jesus from town to town anymore. You cannot hear any of his teachings. And so what's left are the apostles and the disciples who are trying to give instruction on people on how to live and be this new Christian community. You have the apostles and disciples trying to interpret the rules. And along the way, they say, they remind you, in the Old Testament, God has already laid the cornerstone of this faith. The foundation has been laid, and it's now up to you, new recruits. It's up to us to be the living stones to make a spiritual building. The foundation is there. The cornerstone is laid. It is up to us to put up the next level. And what we build should be a sweet treat so that people can remember that God is good and full of love and kindness and something to be savored. How you build the spiritual house matters. I'm pretty excited about a new ministry that we have going on. And to be fair, it's new to us. It's not a new ministry. A lot of schools already have this program. It's called woodworking. It's called the Construction Club. And in some of our schools, Fulton County has even made it a part of the curriculum. But for us here at the church, it's new. And it's called the Toolbox Program. And I'm all excited about it because one of our local elementary schools, Vickery Mill, they approached us and said, we need you, church. We need you to come and put volunteers to this program. So the Toolbox program is an after-school program. It meets weekly. And do you know that already for the 2023 school year, there are 20 fifth graders who are registered 20 fifth graders want to learn how to build stuff. And 40% of them are girls. 
it came to us and said, okay, Roswell United Methodist, okay, Chapel Roswell, we need you just to volunteer to be there with the kids and teach them. They're going to build this sand block, they're going to build a toolbox, and they're going to build a birdhouse. And we need about four to five people every week in the classroom teaching them. So as I'm learning about it, the volunteer saying, okay, Mary, and so if we're going to need four or five people to volunteer, we're going to need about eight, eight in our group. And I was like, oh no, you are wrong. We're going to need more than that. I was like, if we're going to make a commitment, we need to have like 20 people or 30 people committed to going into this classroom. And he's like, absolutely not. And he said, Marion, we can only have four or five people in the classroom. So we can't have a ton of people rotating in and out. The whole point is for the kids to trust the adults. The whole point is for the kids to get to know the names of the adults and the adults to know the names of the kids. He's like, duh, don't you get it? We're trying to build relationships, not just a birdhouse. And I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And isn't that what First Peter is saying? That's exactly what First Peter is saying. What we build together, it matters. And so two people living on two different sides of town, two people who speak two different languages at home, two living stones coming together to build something incredible. So along the way, through giving instruction on something, what we're really building, it matters. I was really excited when I learned that I was expecting our first child. I was thrilled. And here I was in the doctor's office, and I was so excited with this news. I'm like, this is amazing. And as the doctor watched me get all excited, he said, okay, now that I've given you the great news and you're savoring that, now let me tell you the rules. Let me tell you the instructions I have for you. Let me tell you how this is going to change your life. And I'm like, oh, no. And he said, you have different limitations now. He said, there are certain medicines you cannot have. And I was like, that is fine. He's like, there are certain chemicals you can no longer be around. I'm like, that is fine with me, too. And he's like, okay, Marion, you cannot start any new exercises. And I'm like, that is awesome. And then he said, there are also some things you cannot eat. And I was like, no, thank you. I love food. And he's like, yeah, there's some things you can eat and some things you can no longer eat. He said, you cannot have lunch meat unless it's cooked. That's weird. And he said, you can no longer have soft cheeses. So goodbye feta, goodbye goat cheese, goodbye brie. I'm like, no, that's sad. And he's like, there's no caffeine. And then he's like, and don't even get me started about seafood. He's like, you can't have seafood. There are too many worries. And then he handed me this piece of paper. And he's like, I want you to keep this at your purse at all times because this is going to help you. And on one side, it had all the list of approved foods. And on the other side, it had all the list of nothing that's approved. And he said, this will be your guideline. This will be your interpretation for menus. Always keep this. So for nine months, 
I did not have a decent salad. I didn't have coffee. I didn't have tea. And I didn't even have blackened fish, which is my favorite. But do not worry because I still gained 60 pounds. And it was lovely. But there was one particular night I was having dinner with a friend. And all of a sudden, like magic, appeared before me a chocolate cake. It was one of those individual chocolate cakes. You know how you cut into the chocolate cake and then more chocolate pours out? It was just for me. And I thought it'd be really rude if I didn't taste it. So I took a bite. I may have eaten the whole thing. And all of a sudden, like literally within about 10 minutes, this child was going crazy. The movement. It was the most caffeine and the most sugar that that child had ever had. <laughs> and I loved it. I loved it. A few days later, of course, the movement kind of settled down and I missed it. So I walked into the kitchen and I started to dig through the pantry. What can I find? And of course, right at the perfect moment, my husband walks into the kitchen and catches me like shoving pieces of chocolate in my mouth. It was a horrible scene, I'm sure. And as soon as I see him and he sees me, I'm like, oh no, I caught me. I said, I'm so sorry. I know I'm breaking the rules. Just ignore me for a moment. And he's like, Marion, it's not about you breaking the rules. It's not about you keeping the rules. It's about why you're doing it. He said, are you eating that chocolate for your gain or for the child's? And if it's for yours, does it taste as good? If we don't protect the rights of the most vulnerable, is that for our gain or for theirs? If we hate the sin but love the sinner, is that for our gain or for theirs? If we want to start fighting about stuff, is that for our gain or for theirs? And yes, Chapel Roswell, there are churches right now that are calling for all kind of votes and fights. And frankly, is that for their gain or for ours? And if it's just for our own selves, does it taste as good? Because what we are building matters. It's not about following the rules or not about the rules. It's about why we're building what we're building, isn't it? There is a United Methodist Bishop. She's retired now, but at the time she was serving in Virginia. And she went on a mission trip to Bosnia. And when you go to Bosnia, there are rules. And there are lots of rules. And so she had to go to this class that taught her about the rules, about how to behave in Bosnia. And one of the rules was don't eat anything that anyone offers you. Well, so she goes on the trip. And here she is with a group of Methodists on the bus. So the tour guide are telling them about where they're going. And so they begin to take the bus into the field, on this road, through the field rather. And the bus comes to a stop and this tour guide begins to tell them the history of the land and the history of the farms. It's quite beautiful. 
And the bishop is looking out of the window, and sure enough, there is a farmer who's bent over. And at the right time, the farmer stands up and catches the eye of the bishop. And the bishop catches the eye of the farmer, and they look at each other and have a moment. Well, the bishop stood up. She walked to the front of the bus, and she begins to get off. And the tour guide goes, no, you are not going anywhere. And the bishop says, oh, yes, I am. Watch me. If you've never met a bishop, you don't argue with a bishop. So the bishop, they just let her go. So she walked in the field, and she came face to face right there with the farmer. And no one knows the exchange that they had. Somehow they communicated, and all of the people on the bus, they all had their faces in the window like, oh, no. And they watched the bishop. And then they watched this man, the farmer, begin to walk away, and the bishop followed him. And they ended up at his house. It was not a house like we would think of. It was falling apart. And she walked in the front door, and she just stood there until he offered her a seat of where to be. So she sat down in the only chair in the one room. So she's sitting there, and all of a sudden, he too looks into the pantry and begins to dig something out. He brings something that's all wrapped up, and he begins to unwrap it, and it's a loaf of bread that has mold on it. And then she turns, or he turns, and gets a jar of jam that's obviously from his field. And he takes this homemade jam, and he begins to spread it all over the bread. And he cuts a portion of it, and he gives it to her and says, eat, eat. And she's thinking, oh, can't do that. Eat, eat. So she does one of those, oh my goodness, Lord prayers, help me not be sick. And she takes the bread and she pops it in her mouth. And later on, she says it was the sweetest thing she's ever eaten. Two people living in totally different parts of the world. Two people who speak totally different languages at home. A living stone and a bishop and a living stone and a farmer coming together to savor a moment. That sounds like milk and honey to me. Amen. Pray with me. Gracious and holy Lord, we are all grateful that we are here and that we've been given this day before us. Help us to use this day. Help us to savor the people around us. And help us be together today, Lord, in such a way that we begin to offer forgiveness very quickly. That we begin to have such a peace and patience about us, Lord, that we begin to want to gather more around us. And Lord, in a way that we make decisions, and in the words that we choose, and in the judgments that we make, may we use all of those things to build up the next level and not tear it down. 
May you use each of us as a way to add something good and something healthy to your church. Help us be people of instruction, but also people who are just living stones gathering the next. Lord, we do honor the many parents, whether or not they lived in our house. We honor the across the street mom. We honor the church mom. We honor the school mom. Or we honor our friend's mom who kind of disciplined us too. We honor the many people, Lord, that have made us what we are. And for those, Lord, who have failed in their attempt, we offer forgiveness. And we let go of resentment. And we ask that you help us to gather those good parts and good traits that we have learned so that we may be better advocates for anything or anyone that is younger than we are. May we be healthy and safe people of authority that can help grant your wisdom and your sweet love to all people. We also this day give thanks for little ones that are born, especially here among us in our community in the face of death, Lord. Families are welcoming new life and we are grateful for it. Be with all of us in our celebrations today and our meals today. And may you continue to give us the strength and courage to serve you faithfully. We ask all of this in the name of your son. Amen. Hi, my name is Allison Kane, and my husband Chris and I have been attending RUMC for about five years. Um, we have two little ones. Charlie is five and a half, and Henry is three. And when my husband and I got married, we were living in Brookhaven, and we moved up here to Roswell about six years ago. Nancy Spence, actually, who is a family friend, invited us to try out RUMC, and we have been attending here ever since and joined when Charlie was baptized when he was a baby. Becoming a mom myself, uh, this is kind of my first time getting really involved in the past year or so in the children's ministry and then now starting this young families class, kind of jumping in with both feet. A couple of years ago before COVID, we were doing a married couples class with the help of some mentors that had a had a class going years ago and they always talked about how they did life together, how it had been so important for their faith journeys. Chris and I, my husband and I talked about it and Rebecca and Casey talked about it and said, we think it's time to finally get this class going. There are so many great community groups and small groups, but really we were missing the mark a little bit on having a group that really met that 20, 30s, 40 something year old age range. I'm just learning a lot through the whole process. It's helped strengthen my family for sure. And it's just helped me as, with my faith as a mom, as a wife, as a woman, um, walking this faith journey and just knowing that my um, love for Jesus is continuing to grow. 
One of the ways we respond to worship is getting connected into groups. And so if you are interested in a small group or a Bible study or that Sunday school class, let us know through your Connect card. There's a way to put notes and you can just let us know right there. Another way to respond is through your giving. And I want to highlight two particular ministries today. It is Mother's Day, so we always collect a special offering for Wesley Woods, which is a senior adult living community. So if you want to designate your gift today to our Wesley Woods offering, we encourage you to do that. But in the spirit of chocolate, I am going to remind you about another mission that you support when you give and designate your giving for missions. This is a cacao bean tree, and you support this farm in Peru. This was a farm that was um, started by our missionaries, the Ivies, and it was in an area that didn't have anything. And now there are 30 people who are gathered around this farm. And there's even a school now because of this cacao bean farm. And so these are the beans that they will sell and turn into chocolate. And so it is with your gifts designated to missions that you are supporting chocolate and missionaries and community building across the world. So in that spirit, I invite you to stand up. And as we sing our last song, we have chocolate for you. There are Chapel Roswell chocolates and chocolate caramels. So please come and taste that the Lord is good. (laughs) 